This is Right from the Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Erin Taylor Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question, why am I doing this? (laughs) As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you. Bringing interviews, inspiration, and information to encourage, refresh, and equip you to embrace the deep, to find your truest story, your truest message in the deep places. You can get the episode show notes, lots more information and encouragement, and your free audio download, Five Crucial Ways to Safeguard Your Writer's Heart, at writefromthedeep.com. Time for fun stuff. Fun stuff. Yay. Yay. Hey, did you all know that there is now a print version of our book, Finding and Working with an Editor Available? Well, there is. So you can order it online or at your local bookstore. Those of you who've been waiting for that print copy, it's there and ready. Hooray. Okay. And so fun stuff number two. Guys, we're doing a survey because we need your help. We really (laughs) want to make the podcast better. We want to meet your needs the best way we can. And to do that, we need your input on what we can do better, what you like, what you don't like. So please visit our website. You can look at the podcast page on our website. You'll find a link to take the survey or look in the show notes. Um, You can find a link there or even in our newsletter, we'll also have a link. So please, please, pretty please help us out. We want to hear from you. And finally, fun stuff number three, something fun is coming. Something where you get to be an active part of the podcast. You want to know what it's all about? Well, then join us on June 25th at 6 p.m. Pacific time for our very first Facebook Live event. We'll fill you in then and we'll have a fun contest for you. So be there. Be there. And now (laughs) here's here's the the show. Hey, it's time for Right from the Deep, and we are so glad that you're here to join us today because we have a special gift for you. We have a guest, Thomas Umstead Jr., and Aaron is going to introduce him. Yes, I get to introduce him, and I'm so, so delighted to get to introduce Thomas. I first met him, oh gosh, years ago, at maybe my first or second conference I ever went to. He had this name, this last name you can't spell, by the way. I know how to spell <laughs> it now. It's U-M-S-T-A-T-T-D, okay? And so he was this baby-faced kid wearing a suit and looking so professional. The longer I have known him, the more I respect him, and the more I've discovered that if you want to know something about just about anything, ask Thomas. His Twitter handle gives you an idea. Speaker, writer, entrepreneur, WordPress guru, political troublemaker, homeschool graduate, and Christ follower. And if that weren't enough, he's also the co-host of the popular novel marketing podcast with James L. Rubart. He's the CEO of Castle Media Group, LLC, and that's a company that builds websites for world changers. Thomas built his first website at the age of 13, you guys, 13, okay? And he taught his first web design class at only 16 years of age. He's been helping authors and small businesses use the web ever since. In 2009, he started authortechtips.com, and that's a website to help authors use the web to promote their books. That site was twice featured in Writer's Digest as one of the 101 most helpful websites for authors. AuthorTechTips.com is now AuthorMedia.com, 
And that's a resource for authors timid about technology. I don't know about you guys, but that's me, okay? <laughs> he sits on the board of directors for several nonprofits. As an award-winning speaker, Thomas teaches all over the world. And if that still weren't enough, he's the author of the book, Courtship in Crisis. And our topic today has to do with a blog post and a Facebook post that actually turned into that book. And it garnished a slew of hateful responses. Thomas, we are so glad to have you here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Having me. I love your show. And thanks for such a kind introduction. <laughs> Well you sound deserved. so good. <laughs> <laughs> and guys, he told he revealed to me today, like he's 32. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so he's this young, smart guy. So we're just we're just delighted. So we're gonna get to this hateful stuff in a little while. But first, Thomas, um, we ask all our guests this. What does the deep mean to you? So the deep means uh, to me, when I think of it, I think of like roots on a tree. So a palm tree. Uh, as high as it is above the sand, it actually goes equally deep below the sand. And when mm. a hurricane comes in, the palm tree can be blown horizontal with the earth, you know, 100 mile an hour winds. And then when the hurricane goes by, that palm tree just pops right back up because of how deep huh. its roots go. And so when we're deeply rooted in Christ, our identity is deeply rooted in who he is. It doesn't matter what the wind of the world is blowing at us. We're able to pop right back up. Oh, I love no. that. That's beautiful. So tell us a little bit about um, this whole situation. What started you? What, what caused you to write this blog post to the begin with? You can tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so going way back, I grew up in the homeschool community, and I was a big advocate of courtship, and all my friends were big advocates of courtship, which was how uh, conservative Christians dated in the uh, 90s and in the early 2000s, and my grandparents were the only ones who were not fans. <laughs> so they were like, <laughs> I remember my grandmother, she's like, how are you know, going to know who you want to marry if you don't go on any dates? And I was like, what does she know? She was public schooled. <laughs> kind of blew her off. And uh, I even started a website, practicalcourtship.com, where we were talking about courtship and advocating for courtship. And I went through a courtship and I was like, this is going to, we're going to do it by the book. Everything's going to work out. And there was this idea in the community, and this is kind of similar to the prosperity gospel, where if you do relationships in this way, you are guaranteed to have a happy relationship. You are guaranteed <laughs> to have good children. You're guaranteed to have a good marriage. And the reality that I learned the hard way is that that is not actually a promise in Scripture. Jesus does not <laughs> promise easy times. In fact, he promises hard times, trials, tribulations, tribu uh, temptations, and persecutions. Those are the what were promised. <laughs> and, right. and yet, but that's not the only thing he promised. He said, and yet I will be with you always, even until right. the end of the age. And uh, so, you know, I really loved this girl. I remember, um, you know, things were hard because neither of us had been in a re relationship before. And before I could get to know her, I had to commit to being in a relationship with her for the purpose of marriage. Because, mm. you know, you're not allowed to be one-on-one -on -one with somebody until you're in a relationship for the purpose of marriage. And so, we're both wow. fumbling through, not knowing <laughs> what we're doing. And eventually, I, you know, sit down with her dad to ask his permission uh, to marry her. And this is after I've been on many dates with him, one-on-one -on -one with the dad, including several before I even went out, went out with her. And uh, he was like, why would I let you date my daughter? And for two, year, uh, two hours, uh, it felt like two years, he told me everything he didn't like about me. 
Wow. Uh, so this man who I'd opened up my life to and like shared my financial statements, I had to like send him my resume before I could date his daughter, just went down my life and criticized every single thing that I had done. Uh, and, you know, I had just gone through a, a uh, my first business that I started in college was failing and I wasn't making a lot of money at that time. And he was criticizing that and just tore me to pieces. And wow. then, and, but then he's like, well, I'll, I'll, I will ask her anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> she gets a proposal from me through her dad, which needless to say, she said no to. And I was devastated. And, but I interpreted it as I, I did it wrong. I'm not good enough. And for several years after that, I poured myself into my work. That's when I met Aaron. I was like, all business all the yes. time. We could not grow fast enough. Uh, you know, there was a time when I was hiring a new employee every month, which for people who know business, growing too fast is, you know, most <laughs> companies don't die of starvation, they die of indigestion. But I had to prove <laughs> him wrong. I had, to, I had to get rich and get big and get prosperous to prove this man wrong who's like sitting on my shoulder whispering these terrible wow. things in my ear. He was your first hater. Yes. Yeah, and, and in many ways, and, and the one that cut the most deep, because he yeah. wasn't an other. He wasn't a, a different person. You know, he, this is a man I wanted to be my father-in-law. And, and yeah. in reality, uh, he, he, he just attacked me brutally. And uh, as I went along, I started to see similar things happening to other young men that I knew. Hmm. And, but I was still a believer in courtship. But then I started noticing that most of my friends were still single. Like this yeah. thing that was supposed to get us married wasn't working. And right. then I started noticing that the some of the couples that had gotten married through courtship were getting divorced. Oh. I was like, what is going on? That is not the deal. We were promised. <laughs> we were promised that if we did this difficult, awkward thing, we would have happy marriages that lasted a lifetime. And yet some of these marriages were broken from the beginning, um, partly because of this system. They had no idea uh, what they were doing and how to prepare. And so finally, I humbled myself and took my grandmother out to dinner. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay. What 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 did you see back in the 90s yeah. <laughs> that we didn't see? And she explained to me how um, they did dating and relationships back in the 50s and in the 40s, mm. how that was different. And the biggest difference, and this blew my mind when she told me, I had to, I took her out several times and asked her the same question over and over again because I just couldn't believe it. But she's <laughs> like, I wasn't allowed to go on dates with the same guy twice in a row. Hmm. And they had a term for this back in the day. They called it going steady. So you're allowed to go on dates, but you couldn't go on multiple dates with the same person. And what that did was it, cre it kept there from being an expectation of a physical relationship. And it kept there from being this really deep emotional connection so that if things didn't work out, you weren't broken up about it. Because breaking up a courtship was like calling off an engagement. It was yeah. devastating. And it took years to recover, which is really inefficient, right? Unless you find <laughs> the very first person you marry, if you have to take years between relationships, you can be in your 50s, you know, before you get <laughs> yeah, the, the right number of relationships to find the right person. Or and, the father will be dead, though, by then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so I, I, I was like, I want to put this into practice. I want to ask a girl out, you know, for coffee. And it just means coffee. But there was a problem. And the problem was I was Mr. Courtship. Like, I, I didn't just do courtship. I was the guy who ran the website, practicalcourtship.com. <laughs> if I asked a girl out for marriage or for coffee, she would hear comma for the purpose of marriage and that invitation. <laughs> and, and it was like, the, no girl's going to say yes to coffee with Thomas. 
so like, want to commit. created a monster. <laughs> right. They didn't want to commit to marrying this guy they didn't know. And yet they didn't want to open themselves up to getting to know him because of how the rules of courtship work. And so my goal was I want to write a blog post on my personal blog. And if I can get 10,000 people to read this blog post, 15,000 people to read this blog post, everyone in my community will know Thomas no longer does courtship. If he asks a girl out for coffee, it just means coffee. <laughs> So I, I wrote and wrote and wrote, and I had some friends look over the blog post and give me feedback. I had discussions with lots of other young people, and I kind of got their stories. Uh, and I even talked with some parents. I, I did a lot of research over a long period of time that kind of culminated in this blog post, and I posted it. And I, mean, I posted it kind of mid-afternoon, and by that evening, it had 5,000 views. Wow. And then by the end of the day, I think it had 10,000 views. I was like, oh, I've hit oh, my goal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I go to bed, I wake up the next day, and then there's another 20,000 views and then oh. 50,000 views. The day after that, I'd got, I think, 100,000 views in one day. And the day after that, I think it had 200,000 views in one day. And it was blowing oh. up on Twitter. Oh, man. Wow. And the people who were seeing it were sharing it. And those people were sharing it, and it ended up getting views from every country in the world. I saw my Google Analytics, except for North Korea. Uh, so, <laughs> of the 10 people in North Korea with internet, none of them uh, found my blog particularly interesting. Uh, but everywhere else, including China and South Africa and Iran. Oh, wow. And I was suddenly, so remember, the goal was just to reach my community and kind of rebrand myself as not the courtship guy anymore. I was getting feedback from all over the internet, from people who were sharing stories that were way worse than mine. And the, the most common story I got that was really heartbreaking was women who had no idea how abusive their husbands were oh. uh, because they never really got to know them because courtship had so many rules uh, that they didn't really get to know the real man. And yeah. their, their abusive father pushed them into it. It's just really heartbreaking stories. And uh, But the other thing that I started getting, and this kind of blew my mind, was just really angry, mean, hateful comments, yeah. uh, you know, so, and, and not just from strangers, these were from like people that we were friends with. Like to this day, I have friends that I d have not talked to since that blog post oh. came out. Like they won't have anything to do with me. Holy cow. And I lost like a, a significant number of my friends, especially from college. Uh, some of them uh, just, they, they hated it and they hated me for writing it. And they thought I was undermining the um, community. And then I was undermining the scripture. And you know, one lady, a friend of my mom's, she's like, he should have a millstone tied around his neck and him to be cast into the sea. And oh it's like, gosh. this wasn't a stranger. This is like somebody we know. Like our, the kids go to each other's birthday parties. Like these are close friends. And my uh, mom would be in tears going on Facebook and seeing her friends attacking her son. Oh and my gosh. So, so it wasn't just people attacking me. And you can go, there's, you know, 1,400 comments. If y'all want a good time, you can read what people <laughs> had, had to say. Uh, and people wrote blog posts, criticizing it. And what was, and in the early days, no one was willing to stand with me on this. Uh, so oh, I have wow. people who would come to me quietly and they're like, I agree with you, but I can't say anything publicly because of the homeschoolers. You know, I speak at homeschool conferences and I don't want to get blackballed. <laughs> and so I was standing alone basically wow. saying, hey, we're, we're doing things wrong. The Bible doesn't talk about courtship. This system that we have is not in Scripture. And when I wrote the book, I actually did an entire history of courtship going back to biblical days and like every era and you know, how we went from young men buying their brides from the father with a bride price to uh, paying a dowry, like how the, now the woman pays the, yeah. the man, like how did that transition happen? So, I, I, all of that is in the 
is in the book. And, you know, I, I researched that history and none of it was, you know, God came down and, and you know, bequeathed courtship upon us. This is a, <laughs> a cultural thing and it's a cultural thing that's not working. And, and that was what I kept going back to. It's like the people who are advocating for this, they're not seeing it work um, broadly. That doesn't mean that it's not working for anyone, but it's not working uh, for most people. But it was it was really hard um, navigating the the hate <laughs> and the, oh, the no hater. Kidding. And yeah. because they weren't all wrong, that was what was really challenging. And uh, I saw a great example of this uh, later on in the story. Um, just because somebody disagrees with you doesn't mean they're wrong. Yeah. And one of the temptations when you're getting a lot of hate and a lot of negative feedback is to just screen them all out. And yeah. the, the reality is, is that some courtship was, does work for some people and it, it's not a disaster for everyone. And, and that was it, navigating. It was, was tricky and kind of figuring out the people who are hating on me for their own personal reasons and the right. people that have legitimate uh, criticisms. And over that next year, year and a half, I, I blogged additional blog posts, follow-up blog posts, and kind of diving deep. A lot of the book I actually blogged ahead of time, right? Mm. which allowed me to get feedback. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, if people disagreed with something or I made my point poorly, uh, you know, people were very eager to point out what I <laughs> <laughs> Almost gleeful. And... Uh, and and the the challenge that I that it had is that I wrote this as a single man, right? The goal of the blog post was so that I could go on dates and and find a wife. <laughs> yeah. and now suddenly every first date was a conversation about the blog post because every girl I went out on a date with had already read the blog post. You know, oh, when you yeah. have a million page views, you know, I don't know how many homeschoolers there are in the country, but that you've gotten them all. <laughs> all of the homeschoolers yes. and conservative Christians in that age group. It felt like they had all read my blog post, and they all so, had a strong opinion. So you accomplished your goal of letting people know that you no longer believe. <laughs> I, I will say I went on far more dates after the post came. <laughs> <laughs> so Thomas, on a lot of dates. After, Thomas, you know. what I'm hearing though is that you were completely and utterly unprepared, really, to deal with this vehement hatred and response and sometimes irrational even. Um, so what did you do? How did you cope with the sudden onslaught? There, there's a couple of different answers to that. At, at first, I, I just kind of was overwhelmed, you know, just reading comment, you know, 1400 comments, you know, probably a thousand of those came in in the first week. So it's, you know, every time we refresh the page, there was mm. more comments. And so at first, I was just kind of absorbing it. And I had experienced hate one other time kind of in between that my conversation with the, with the man and in this, I was putting together a course and I, I posted it on, online and people misunderstood it and they were attacking me in really mean, really mean ways because they're envious. Ultimately, I realized it's like the only reason they'd be this mean is because they're envious that they didn't do this themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that helped give me some context. And the one thing I realized was that I couldn't respond to any of these people. Mm-hmm. Um, that and which was which was hard. It was even harder on my mom because oh my gosh, she can be a bit of a mama bear, and she wanted mm-hmm. to go after these women on Facebook that were attacking her son. Yeah. And the the reality though is that dealing with trolls, it's a lot like that uh, old story about Bray Rabbit and the Tar Baby. 
you don't know if you know the story. Yeah, so, where he but, keeps hitting it and gets yeah, stuck. Yeah, Bray Rabbit is more, walking yeah. along, sees this baby made out of tar, and he's like, well, hello. And the baby doesn't say anything. And so he's like, well, if you don't say hello to me, I'm going to punch you in the face. So he punches <laughs> him in the face, and then his, it won't let go because his hand is stuck in the tar baby because it's not a real baby. It's a tar baby. And so he's like, well, if you don't give me my hand back, I'm going to punch you with my other hand. And so he punches <laughs> him with the other hand until finally he's completely consumed with this tar baby, and the tar baby's still not talking to him. And that's how uh, dealing with trolls can be. And so but, I, but, I, but go back to the fact that the tar baby was put there by the person who wanted to catch Br'er Rabbit and get him out of his garden. And so he accomplished his goal because Br'er Rabbit got so obsessed with making the tar baby respond. He got so stuck up and then the farmer came and took him and took him away. So right. it, it was not only foolish, it led to his demise. That's right. You know, Br'er Fox is the one who put <laughs> there. And I feel so often the enemy puts humans in our path that yes. are tar babies. And ultimately, they're not tar babies. They're children of God. And when right. we punch at them, we're not punching a tar baby. We're punching a child of God. And right. God loves that hater just as much as that God loves as God loves me. And that perspective is really hard, mm-hmm. really hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, when they're when they're attacking you, you know there was a a lady who did a series of blog posts. She was like, "Why courtship is not fundamentally flawed." Part one of seven. And oh my! Why courtship is not fundamentally flawed. Part two of seven. I'm like, oh my goodness, <laughs> this lady is really into this. <laughs> you know, seven part blog series explaining to the internet how wrong I am. Um, so some things that I kind of learned. Uh, one is that it's really helpful to have a safe home. Yeah. So my family fully supported me. They were not at all surprised by the blog post. Uh, several of them had even helped edit it, and they they had my back, as yeah. as my little brother says, Thomas. When everyone's shooting arrows at you, we are standing right behind you. <laughs> That's helpful. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, you know, they, they've got my back in that way. And my church was also really supportive, which was helpful because the church, you know, capital C, I felt was kind of all over the map, right? I had Catholic priests being like, this is so needed and giving me, you know, Catholic books, you know, that had to do with dating and relationships and, you know, people that were much more closer to me theologically telling me that I was a spawn of nuts, telling me I was a terrible, terrible person and, fool, and a fool. I uh, One of my close mentors sent me a three-page email about how much he disagreed uh, with the book and basically said I was a fool for writing it. Oh. And that was just so hard. <laughs> so, so this, is like, this is the man I wanted to be when I grew up. Like, this is the guy who'd been mentoring me. And, you know, he's like, you're a fool. And, you know, our relationship has never really recovered from that. I mean, we're friendly to each other, but it's not that level of closeness. And yeah. it's, it's interesting. We, we did a... a podcast with Terry Blackstock. And one of the things that she said from her own life and dealing with difficult situations is that whenever she hears the term, well, this is how we've always been taught, or when she thinks that herself, she realizes that that's something that's a red flag and you need to go back and you need to dig in and find out if it's accurate like you did with the whole courtship thing where you go in and, and when you said this isn't a promise in Scripture, that's those are powerful words. And, and I think when ideology 
somehow seems to have received the imprimatur of the church, and so they then say that it's God-breathed, rather than the fact that it's just an idea that a person had and everybody resonated to it and picked up on it, but that doesn't mean that it's God's truth. Right. In fact, it's, it's way too easy to assign something that you want to believe as God's truth. Who doesn't want to guarantee that they will have a happy marriage if they follow steps one, two, and three? And so, that's where God's people make huge mistakes and that they put this kind of import on these ideologies that they embrace. And then they cross the line in doing what's very clear in Scripture about letting no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, about speaking the truth in love. I mean, where was love for these people who were saying the things that they were saying? Yeah. Right, right. And I took a lot of uh, comfort in the story of David. Yeah. However bad I had haters, he had it worse, <laughs> yeah. right? And his hater, you know, the guy who was hating him the most, King Saul, was anointed by God. Right. right? <laughs> this was God's chosen leader. Samuel went up to him and poured oil all over his head. He was the king. Right. David had fealty to him. And yet, when David was in the same room with Saul, Saul was throwing spears at David. <laughs> so, it's like, well, people may be wishing, you know, for my death. They weren't throwing spears at me. And and so, Double looking spears. at, you know, <laughs> yeah, how did David handle haters? And it's very fascinating because the temptation is uh, to have a tough skin. Yeah. It's like, oh, you got to have a tough skin to do this. But the problem with tough skin is that it doesn't just keep out the hate. It also keeps out the love because mm -hmm. you're building this wall around your heart. Uh, to borrow uh, some language from Mary DeMuth, uh, who I think you've had on the show before. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. So, she, I, she's been such a good friend to me and really modeled this example of kind of living in vulnerability and kind of doing what David is doing. So, right. David kept his heart soft to the Lord, or, or as much as he could, and when he would get attacked, he would take that attack and put it at the feet of God. And so, in the Bible, we don't just take our successes, our crowns, and lay them at God's feet, right? He wants our successes, and we lay our successes at His feet and give Him the glory. But the, the wonderful thing about our, our Creator is that He also takes our failures, and he also takes our hurts and our wounds and our sins. We get to throw those things at his feet as well. And that is just such a wonderful thing. It's like, hey, this person just said this terrible thing about me. I'm giving that to you, God. <laughs> and if there's anything of it that's true, you give it back. I'm not going to yeah. take it from this person. I'm going to take it from you. And uh, I got a, a person I saw do this really well. And you'd be surprised who this is, but it's actually Joshua Harris, the author of mm. I Kiss Dating Goodbye. I Kiss Dating Goodbye, mm. right. The guy who popularized, he didn't create it, but he popularized courtship. Someone put a copy of my book in his hands and he read it and he's like, there's some truth here. And mm. he's actually changed his views on courtship. He's doing a wow. documentary now about courtship and about the impacts of his book, both the good and the bad, because his <laughs> book wasn't all bad. His book had a lot of good in it. Wow. And in many ways, it was twisted by others and used as a weapon. Right. Um, but I, I, and I, I went up to, ca to Canada. He had me on his documentary and we were able to talk. And it was like, this is the one person in the world who most understands what it's mm -hmm. like to have uh, the whole world watching you go through a romantic relationship. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we both did these things that made us as these like celebrity bachelors, so to speak, you know, the famous <laughs> bachelors, which let me tell you, does not make dating any easier. <laughs> it makes it way, way harder, <laughs> especially when you have like people rooting for your failure, rooting for, yeah, you know, because right. it's like, 
oh, your personal relationship is a, you know, credit to your ideas. And if your relationship fails, your ideas must be bad, which Mm. was not at all like I'm arguing for social norms, right? Like these are general trends. Me, whether it works or not for me, is is neither here nor there. Um, But, you know, and I now consider Joshua Harris a friend of mine. And he Mm -hmm. has really modeled that David-like heart, that Christ-like heart where he is wanting to hear that feedback and wanting to hear the good and the bad and to sort out the criticism from the hate. And that takes a lot of maturity. And I'm just right. so impressed with his his confidence in his identity in Christ. You know, he's like that palm tree where the roots, roots go really deep and he's welcoming the hurricane because he knows that however strong the hurricane is, his roots in the Lord are deep enough that he's going to, you know, rise back from the when the winds uh, die down. And uh, just really kind of inspired uh, by his example and not at all what I was expecting. <laughs> yeah. So I was not so, expecting that, you know, a couple of years after I wrote this blog post, I'd be friends with Joshua Harris. Are there particular scriptures that you held on to then that you continue to hold on to or scriptures that, that you found as this whole process has gone on that have um, ministered to you and helped to heal the hurt? The Psalms, especially the angry ones. Yeah, I love uh, those. I love David. Yeah, he's such so, a whiner. I love it. Well, while I really tried not to lash back at any of my critics, and I can't say that I did that 100. percent I I did write one blog post where I like responded to some of the most common criticisms because um, I felt like I had to. But in general, David was not pulling any punches. You know, yeah. so while you pull your punches when you're talking with people who are attacking you. You don't have to pull your punches when you're complaining about them to God. <laughs> He's like, God, crush their bones. <laughs> I'm feeling terrible. And I'm like, I know how you feel. <laughs> and, you know, the judge of all the earth will do right. And, and people will be, you know, rewarded and punished based off of their deeds done in the body, whether they be good or, or evil. Mm-hmm. And I can I can trust him with that. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. And and just having to remind myself that this is in God's hands. And, you know, for, for authors, you know, you get a negative review on your book. You know, there's, you know, some of that's going to be envy, right? Envy motivates a lot of one-star stuff on the, on the internet, right? Mm-hmm. If you're a, a famous YouTuber and people are hating on you, it's because they wish they were you. <laughs> it's because they're seeing the success that you have and they're wishing they have that success and it. It becomes a, a weed in their heart. And... Um, but there, sometimes it's also legitimate feedback. And if you allow it, that feedback can help make your work better. You know, my book is better because of the negative comments I got on the blog and on Facebook while I was writing it. So, right, right. Uh, and some of the people disagreed with me, at least one who kind of disagreed with me, but was nice about it. I had on my research team, like I had him as a beta reader and he was challenging me on theological stuff all along the way. <laughs> and <laughs> oh, wow. It was really helpful. Um, I didn't have any of the mean ones, by the way, that that's, yeah. that was toxic and unhelpful. Yeah. Uh, but he ended up, it ended up being a better, um, product as a result of it. The and book, again, you guys, is Courtship in Crisis, and we'll have a link to that for anyone who's really interested in the topic. It, it was a good blog post, and I know that's going to be a great book. So, Thank um, you. Well, Thomas, you have given us a lot to think about and a lot to pray about. It's so easy when haters come after us, whether it's 10 or 10,000 or tens of thousands, whatever it is, it's so easy to take those things 
personally because they are aimed at us personally and not recognize that these folks are acting out of their own hurt or agendas or fears and just look at them as evil. And it's really an important truth that you've shared with us that God loves them as much as He loves us. It's really hard for us to see that, but but it's the truth. And just because we have opened up a vein and put it on the page and put it out there for readers, it doesn't mean everybody's going to like everything that we've written. And no matter how well-intentioned we are, people will react negatively to things that we've written. And so, everything that you've said here today has been a great encouragement to me as someone who has a tendency to take these kinds of things personally. I, I had a criticism of a book that I wrote that was based on my mom's death. It was a very difficult book to write, and the criticism came from a reviewer from Publishers Weekly, and, and it wasn't about the book, it was about me personally. And um, I didn't write for a year after that. Had I been able to look at that the way that you're talking about, that would not have undermined my confidence and my ability to write as much. So, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us, and we're definitely going to have to have you back on the show because it's clear that you have so much that you've gone through, and that experience, um, using that experience to help us and to help our listeners is really a gift, and we thank you for that. So, folks, as you go through your writing journey, as you continue to put your understanding of God's truth on the page, know that the haters will come. But you don't have to be impacted by them. You don't have to be derailed by them. If you see them as God's children, if you see them as people that God loves, people who are dealing from their own hurts and dysfunctions or from their own understandings of something and they just disagree with you, let's get back to where we can be reasonable in our discourse and let's get back to where we can see people through God's eyes, not just our own eyes, because then we're not going to have to worry about haters. We'll be focused on love and peace and friends. That's a much better place to be. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening today. We hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes, which you can find along with a free audio download, Five Crucial Ways to Safeguard Your Writer's Heart at our website, writefromthedeep.com. If you'd like to support the show, and we would love it if you'd do that, you can contribute through the website. To connect with us, go to the website or tweet us at KarenBall1, that's the number one, or Aaron T. Young. So until next time, embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same. Amen. Amen. Amen.